0: Thank you for your warm welcome. As you have a seat, I want to encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll be there in just a little bit. Uh, I want you to know how uh, impressed Carrie and I are with the people of Grace Point. Uh, You are an awesome people, those we've gotten to meet in the last number of days, some in our time visiting together, some of you over Facebook. Um, We are so impressed with you, and uh, we have a great church here, do we not? Amen. And uh, yeah, sure, clap for yourself, that's good, I like that. And uh, we are already sensing what so many of you have shared with us about your favorite thing about Grace Point, and it's the people and uh, we just want to thank you for being you, and we can't wait to get to know you better. One of the things I love about Grace Point, and I can't wait to discover more of this, is the multi-generational culture that we have here at Grace Point. Uh, I have uh, been excited to read through a little book that uh, one of you has prepared for our 75th anniversary that talked about the history, and uh, I am thrilled about what God has been doing over the decades through Grace Point Church of the Nazarene, Lake Avenue, and Lily Street, and uh, I'm going to be counting on some of you to help bring me up to speed. Uh, Not just to tell me the history and the date, and that's kind of cool, I want to know those things too, but I want to hear the God stories of when you saw God move in your life, when you saw him move in your kids' lives, when you saw him move in your community, because that is what has brought us to this point. But I'm just as excited as partnering with all of you as we pass on our faith to the next generation. What you have sacrificed for, many of you, is not to be lost on the next generation. So I want to partner with you and pass that on, not only to our kids, but there are many people in the circle of our influence in the greater Fort Wayne area, that have not experienced what it means to live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. And uh, I believe God has great days ahead for us. As I was seeking God and asking him what he would have me teach on or share with you this morning, this first time together, he quickly directed my attention to how Jesus started his ministry. And Luke chapter 3 verse 21, just listen to this. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was praying. Heaven was opened, and then, as you know, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came and rested upon him. At that beginning mark of Jesus' public ministry, we see that he is found praying. Jesus, all throughout the New Testament, many times would get away to pray. Right before a major transition, before a miracle, he would be found praying. When you read through the New Testament, those who follow Jesus closely, they also follow the same pattern of being a person of prayer. When you read through the Pauline epistles, you can't help but notice that Paul was a man of prayer. In every one of his letters, he speaks about prayer. Never was there a busier Christian than Paul, I would imagine. But yet he always found time to pray. You know, it's, it's men like John Wesley and their successors, you know, they're not guilty of being fanatics or superstitious when they said it's by all things great and small, we're going to do them by prayer. They committed all things, secular, religious, natural or spiritual, to God in prayer. In this, they're just following the great example of the Apostle Paul and of Christ. Prayer, if it's to be successful, it's always got to engage us to our very core. This seeking God as Paul did, this prayer to commune with God the way he did, that's what led him to be the great leader that God had created in him. This kind of prayer, this life of prayer that engages, it absorbs, it's empowered by God and for God. And if we're to have that type of prayer in our life, it's going to cost us something. Now, now the prayer that doesn't cost us anything, it's not worth much of anything in our life. Paul was a man of prayer. His high position in the church was not one of dignity or position to enjoy luxury. Paul led the early church, broken and spilled out, before God in prayer. He went on his first missionary journey, and he accomplished it through prayer and fasting. All the churches that he set up was by the same measure, by fasting and by prayer. When Paul and Silas were in prison, they prayed at midnight and sang songs of praise to the Lord. Paul made prayer more than a habit, more than a pre-game warm-up. He made it his lifestyle. So for him, prayer wasn't an outer coat or shirt that he put on. It wasn't a top coat of paint or polish that he just sprinkled over his Christian life. It was the very core of his being. It was the bones. It was the marrow. It was the substance of who he was. Friends of Grace Point, some of you I'm getting to know well. Others I don't know well at all yet. I believe God is calling us as we enter into this next chapter of what it means to be Grace Point Church of the Nazarene. As you enter into this next chapter of your life, God is calling us to a life of prayer. God is calling us to start out right. I want to challenge you to follow along as we hear from Paul's teaching together in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Listen as I read verse 16 through 24. Now, if you have your Bibles here with you, I want you to wave them at me. Lift them up so I can see them. iPhone counts, that's fine. Uh, iPad, that works. Blackberry, that's fine. If you don't have a Bible with you today, I want you to get close to someone who does, and I want you to cheat off of them and read on theirs, okay? Now, together, we're going to be getting used to each other for a little while, and that's okay. Uh, you're going to find out what's weird about me. There's only like, I don't know, a thousand things that's weird. Uh, I'm going to find out maybe the one or two things that's different about you, But but one of the things is I want us to hold God's Word in our hand. Uh, I don't care if it's your iPad or your iPhone or your Blackberry, but we need to hold God's Word in our hand and see that it's in context with something else. Now, we'll put some prompts on the screen for you to find it. If you're new to Grace Point or new to the Bible, don't feel bad about that. We'll help you get one. If you don't have a Bible today, see me or one of the ushers, and we'll get you one before you leave. But uh, look on your own or with your neighbor. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Verse 21, test everything, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. This was Paul's challenge to the church of Thessalonica. It's his challenge to us Today as well. And his challenge then and his challenge now, it has to be taken into context with all of his teachings. We see that Paul taught and looked uh, as an example, wanted people to look to him as an example in prayer all over the place. And when he challenged them to do these things, it was in the context of being a person who lived a life of prayer. Attempting to do these things any other way doesn't work, and that's Paul's challenge to us. I was in fifth grade, and I was at Golden Bell Camp in Colorado. I had not had the privilege of meeting my wife, Carrie, yet. That came later at Olivet Days. So I was preoccupied with uh, the new discovery that girls were not so bad. And uh, I was excited to try to impress the other fifth grade girls around me. And in many camp situations, they have activities throughout the day that you can sign up for. And uh, I was planning my day at camp at Golden Bell in Colorado based off of who went where to certain events. I saw the girls that I was interested in, they signed up for rappelling, and so I neglected my fear of heights and my total lack of experience in rappelling, and I signed up to go rappelling. I went to that location at the time of day, I saw that they were there, I was pretty excited, I was trying to get in the right place in line to make sure I could be seen by these girls to impress them somehow. I put on the harness, the gear, and, you know, how many have been rappelling before? You've done that? I've heard stories about Pastor Rex. He's quite the uh, adventure person. And so uh, he would look cool in all the gear. I, I didn't look cool. It's hard to look cool when you've got, like, this harness diaper thing on and you don't know what you're doing. But, but I was doing everything I could to get my cool on, to look Impressive. And in all that effort and trying to be mindful of how they viewed me, I neglected to pay attention to the instructor's very important instructions. I later found out that he was sharing with everyone else, and I wasn't paying attention, that it was so important to start off the first step off the cliff right. And that's to lean back and put all your weight on the rope, and when you start out right, it makes everything else go so much smoother. It's very difficult to recover if you don't start outright repelling. Well, who needed to know that information? I needed to make sure the girls were watching me look cool and all this gear. My name was called, and so I came to the edge of the cliff, and still watching them, I just took the step off of the cliff with no instructions. And at that moment, what seemed natural to me was to get close and hug the cliff. I immediately slid four or five feet down, and I'm hanging on to just the rock with my fingers. My arms are beginning to shake. My feet are dangling, trying to find a grip. At this moment, I no longer care what the girls think. A cry from Mommy comes out of my lungs as I'm scared. But at that moment, I did not participate in any of the instructions of what it meant To Be a true repeller. I didn't put my weight in that rope. I had the gear I was at the right place. I talked the talk, but I did not do what it was intended to do You see when I was studying this passage of scripture this memory came back in my mind Many of us are around the things of prayer we wear the garb of prayer, but For whatever reason, we neglect instruction like God's Word tells us that prayer is to be something of a lifestyle, not just a phrase that we do before we go to bed or before we get up or before we eat. And Paul tells us here in this passage that a life of prayer leads to these things. If you're a person who likes to take notes in your bulletin there, there's a handout. Pull that out, and I want you to write this in. Number one, a life of prayer leads to transformation from the inside out. Now, as we're getting to know each other, here's the rule. If, if you don't like taking notes, you just hit the person next to you say, I'm too cool to take notes. That's your job. Do it for me. That's acceptable. You don't have to do it. So if you don't learn by writing, then, then just ignore that. Use it for kindling later. But if, if it helps you to follow along, this is where we're at. A life of prayer leads to transformation from the inside out. You say, well, Pastor Brady, what do you mean? Paul's telling us here, be joyful always. Be joyful always. This is short and to the point. The key, however, is the word always. Paul didn't mistake when he said this. He meant it literally to always be joyful. See, Christian joy is not bound by circumstances. In fact, often in the New Testament, joy is coupled with sorrow and grief. Because joy comes when we know who we are anchored in. And just like the repelling rope, it is our lifeline in prayer that keeps us connected to our anchor in Christ. When you're hanging on the edge of a cliff and you're not putting your weight in your lifeline, it's hard to be joyful. It's hard to, to, to find any kind of joy because in my own strength, I'm trembling, I'm shaking. But Jesus says, if you would have listened to the instructions in my book, I never intended you to do it that way. Stay connected with me in a life of prayer. And out of that comes a transformation from the inside out. Paul continues in verse 17 to pray continually. This is that breathing in of the Spirit and breathing out of the Spirit. It's an inhale, it's an exhale. Just as I take in air into my lungs and I exhale it out of my lungs, prayer is to be a constant communication with God. I like how one Christian believer put it, it's not when I pray longer than 20 minutes that the power comes. Have you ever met with someone that they, they, they feel like the only way the power comes is when they pray for forever and ever and ever and ever? But this Christian said, it's not when I pray longer than 20 minutes that power comes. It's when I don't go more than 20 minutes throughout my day without praying that the power comes. I mean, We, we can be talking to God all throughout our day. We can have all different forms of prayer. There's good times to use a pattern of prayer. There's great times to pray corporately together. There's times to pray as individuals. There's times to pray at a meal. There's times to pray at work. There's times to call out to God in sorrow. There's times to celebrate with God. Have you ever laughed with God? You know, I believe that God has a sense of humor. He created some of you, and I know he has a sense of humor. I'm Just see if you're awake. When you find something that brings joy to your heart, if it's pleasing and good, God made you that way. Talk to God about what makes you laugh. There can be some good editing that happens on our heart, too. If something makes you laugh and you don't feel you can talk to God about it, maybe we need to think about that. But that's another message. We'll save that for later. Are we asking the wrong question? Sometimes we say, well, I, I'm just concerned about my prayer life. And, and I understand there's nothing wrong with that phrase, but it's this kind of compartmentalizing of we squeeze together certain parts of our day. Well, the few minutes when I wake up and the few minutes before I go to bed and the 30 seconds before I dig into the meal, well, that's, that's my prayer life. How's my prayer life going? Or, or maybe I'm super spiritual and I, I have a designated 30 minutes when I pray with a group of people. And how's my prayer life? What if we would change the question and say, how's my life going? with prayer well what if i looked at every area of my life and saying god am i using the lifeline that you have created for me in prayer now paul is not making a case for a lack of action if your idea of prayer is just to close your eyes fold your hands and to sit quietly in a room and talk to no one and do nothing if that's all that prayer is i could see how that would be frustrating well let's let's do something let's go somewhere let's Let's see some action happen. If that's your view of prayer, you don't want to miss next week. We're going to look at what it means to step up in prayer. Because you see, it's quite the opposite. In fact, the more you seek God in prayer, you earnestly are broken and spilled out before God in prayer. He will change you. He will call you to radical obedience. It will push you forward in action that you thought you would never be able to take action in. It will be the thing that leads us into battle. Prayer, if you think it's some kind of mamsy-pamsy participation kind of thing, you don't want to miss next week. We're going to explore that so much more than that. But it's to pray continually. A life of prayer affects our entire life. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Again, I wasn't very thankful to be repelling when I decided to do it my own way. How could it be enjoying to repel the way I was going about it? I was not participating in the way the event was designed. There's no way it could be something I could be thankful for. God says, if you would give me your heart in prayer, if you would let me change you in prayer, watch the thankfulness come out of your soul. Watch the joy come out of your soul. Watch the consistency in prayer come out of your soul. When I change you from the inside out. Psalm 34.1 has been on my mind every day this week. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Power went out at our house. I don't know if it went out at yours. I got to confess, that was not the first verse that went through my mind. (laughs) Having no power in your house is fun for the first hour or two. It's kind of like camping that you didn't intend. But the second day and the third day, and some of you tell me you had four, five, six days. Hopefully everybody has it back on now. It's no longer fun. But but when I read Psalm thirty-four, one, I don't think it gives me a loophole. It doesn't say the praise of the Lord shall continually be on your lips except when this happens. No. What's it say? It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. All times. I've checked it in the original language. It means all times. (laughs) All of it. Continually means continually. And in your mouth. Now that's pretty personal. I don't know you very well, but what if I came down right now and I just said, open your mouth, I'm gonna stick my hand in there. Say, knock it off, that's weird, preacher guy. It's my mouth. Well, we get territorial about our mouth, but we begin to push it off on someone else. Where's the Thanksgiving in your mouth this week? I don't say that to make you feel guilty. But Paul is challenging us. He's saying, if you are a people of prayer, you will be changed from the inside out, and what is in you will be flushed out, and the fullness of the Spirit will come in, and watch praises begin to come out of your mouth. I talked to one of you today. I said, how are you doing with the power being back on? She said, I was only out of power for three days. It was just three days. Some people say, oh, it was three days. No, it was just three days. Praise was beginning to come out of her mouth. It was it was an attitude that was there. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Second, a life of prayer not only transforms us from the inside out, but it leads to a priority in protecting the flame. A priority in protecting the flame. And verse 19, it says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. This priority in protecting the flame, this challenge to not put out the Spirit's fire, this can happen to anyone, any one of us, when we allow thoughts or actions which are contrary to the character of God to enter into our life. The fire of the Spirit, it is suppressed in us when He is rejected. When His convicting power, His judgment is ignored in our life, we begin to put out the Spirit's fire. We douse the Spirit's influence in our life through doubt. We drench Him with anger. We drown out His power with immorality. Now don't misunderstand me. The Holy Spirit Himself cannot be put out. He's God. You can't cancel out God. But He will allow you to stifle His work in your life. He's not going to force you. When we quench the Spirit, when we grieve Him, we do not reach for the fruit of the Spirit. But a life of prayer will challenge us to have a priority to protect the flame of the Holy Spirit in our life. Verse 20, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Now others have translated this verse, despise not prophecies. This is a present tense verb. It's addressed to you plural. You say, well, what in the world does that mean? It means it's for all of us in the church. Do not despise prophecies. The Greek word for despise or contempt, it's a strong word here. The word literally means to treat the thing in question as if it is nothing. I think there's few of us here today that would say, I despise the Bible. Maybe there's someone here who'd say that. I'm glad you're here. You're welcome to have your opinion. We want you to come worship with us as often as you can. I'm going to tell you, we don't despise this book around here. Most of us wouldn't be so audacious to say we despise it, but how many of us, if we're really honest, by our actions in our life, we treat this as if it means nothing? Oh, I don't despise it. I respect it. But it means nothing in my life. Protect the flame by not despising. Maybe for us, perhaps the main way we do not despise the prophecies is to see the Bible's message as authentically real in our life. Not a book of exceptions, but a book of examples of how we are to live. Verse 21 Test everything, Paul says. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. It's through the Word of God that is the lens that we put everything up to to compare. Things in our life, we allow the Word of God to speak to it. And what is good, we hang on to it. What does not square up with the Bible is evil. We avoid that. Priority in protecting the flame. And finally, this last point. Paul says, if you have a life of prayer, a life that is centered on prayer, the way Jesus did, the way Paul did, and many others after them, it will lead you to letting go and letting God. Verse 23, he says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. This is encouraging to my heart. By the very creator of the universe... The one who knits you together in your mother's womb. He says, I want to set you apart for my holy use. I want to sanctify you through and through. It is by my power that I'm going to do all these things in you. Friends, we get this wrong so many times. Christianity is not a teeth-gritting effort. Don't misunderstand that there's a responsible part that we have, but if you are trying to just hang on to the cliff, your hands are trembling, your arms are trembling, your feet are dangling looking for a foothold, you're trying to be joyful. You're trying to be thankful. You're looking for power. You're you're, you're trying to make sure you only do what is good and and not what's evil. Rest in your lifeline of prayer. But sometimes we we have to unlearn some things about prayer. It's good that we have ritual of when we pray to remind us of the importance of prayer. But if that's all it is, is now I lay me down to sleep. And if all it is, is I wake up, Lord, give me a good day. Or rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. You know, most of us as adults, we've exchanged those preschool prayers for what I call adult preschool prayers. Now, if, if I come to your house this week, I won't know because I've only been to your house once, possibly. But you'll know it's a preschool prayer when it's some kind of memorized, repeated statement that you go on autopilot and you're thinking, I hope I get the Grady first. I hope I get extra of this. I, and your mind is going, you're not even thinking about what you're praying. But what would happen if you wouldn't be so concerned about this compartmentalized prayer life, but you're concerned about your whole life and how prayer was woven in through all of it? Finally, verse 24, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Now, church, we're going to have fun together, and you're going to learn that I like to laugh. You're going to learn that I like to tell a good story. You're going to learn that I want to get to know your good stories and laugh with you. And there was all kinds of temptation today to just pull out a really fun story to share with you. And we'll have plenty of time to do that. But, but all of this was for this point. This is way too important of a start in the next chapter of Grace Point Church of the Nazarene to be sidetracked by some good story, by, by trying to impress some fifth grade girls on the edge that we missed the instruction. We have to start out together with a lifestyle of prayer where we lean back on our lifeline of our connection to our anchor in Christ and say, Jesus, you are the one who will be faithful to do this. As I shared my last week with Family Church, I want to share with you my first week at Grace Point Church of the Nazarene. Contrary, maybe to popular opinion, your senior pastors did not just resign. The head leader of your church did not resign. God may have reorganized and moved the first servants of the church to different places, but the same senior leader, the same head of the church, is still here. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church in Oklahoma. And guess what? He is calling us to trust Him by giving our life to communication with Him. Now, I know some of you, you go, well, so... I mean, you, you don't say that. you got a, you got a good smile on. You put your church smile on. and say, Oh, that's nice. Good talk. That's good. But instead so you go, so? I want something good. Well, you come next week, and we're going to unpack together what it means to step up in prayer and see how it leads us into the battle of something that is so far greater than we can ever imagine. Friends, as our time comes to an end right now, prayer changes things. You and I are one of those things. Now, I guess if if prayer for you is just some kind of top coat gloss, then it may not bring any change in your life. But if it's a pouring out, broken, spilled up before God prayer, it'll change you. The question I have for us today, are you willing to allow God to bring change in your life as you submit to him, giving him your life in prayer? I want you to think about that. I'm not going to ask you to answer me today. But I am next week. As we commit together, those who want to, those who don't want to, I'm going to respect you and love you and that's okay. But those who say, I want to give my life to God in prayer, we're going to rally together. We're going to lead the charge as we share the message that God has given to us. To the greater Fort Wayne area if you'd stand with me It'd be my privilege for the first time To pray with you To pray for you and to pray over you Can't wait to when I look out here, I know more than just a half a dozen names My rule is If I get your name wrong the second time you can punch me in my arm and It'll give me great incentive to get it right on the third time, okay? <laughs> I may need a little bit of help, but I want to know you. More importantly, I want to know you and help you get to know Jesus better and better. You teach me and I'll help teach you, okay? Let's pray. Father, we confess that we love wearing the garb of Christianity and church and religion. And there's some merit in that. We confess that we get distracted by whatever catches our eye from time to time. And we miss your instructions that are so simple and so clear. Jesus, your pattern started out your ministry in prayer. Those who followed you closely bathed every major advancement in prayer. It wasn't because they were so attuned to know when the transition was coming. They lived a life in prayer. And so, God, I pray that these, my new church family, I pray that you will teach us to pray just as you taught the disciples to pray. I pray that you'll help us see that it's not just one formula. It's not just one phrase. It's not about an amount of time. It's not about a location. But it's about a lifestyle that says, Oh God, who's created me, I want to talk to you. I want to hear from you. Change me, God. Help me be the man and woman that you have called me to be. God, I thank you for what you have knit together here at Grace Point Church of the Nazarene. Lord, you know better than anybody. Carrie and I do not deserve to be with these people at all. We are so blessed and humbled to come alongside and serve with them. So, Lord, right now, I pray that you will bless them. You will keep them. Lord, I pray that your face will shine on them. God, I pray this week they will see your footprints all over their life, and they won't have to think about praying. They will be driven to prayer out of praise for what you are doing in their midst. It's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, thank you for your great attentiveness. I look forward to serving with you. God bless. Have a great Sunday. See you tonight at VBS. It's going to be awesome. I've seen people making clouds. You want to come see those clouds and see our kids. It's going to be great. See you next week.